0: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told His disciples that every part of the Bible was about Him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and His good news. Let's jump in.
1: Well, hey everyone, and welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you for joining us. We are in week three of our go our walk through Jonah. That's right. We are yeah.
0: celebrating half a million downloads. Yes, and putting our podcast on YouTube.
1: Yes. So if you are if this is the first Jonah podcast you've hopped in on here on the podcast or on YouTube, welcome. But what are you doing here? Go yep. back to the first one. This is this is chapter three. You have will have missed so much context. Yes. So Jonah, go back to Jonah one. Yes. Because we're in Jonah chapter three today,
0: and we're talking about how God overturns things that God yes. overturns the evil of Assyria mm-hmm. or Nineveh. He overturns the faithlessness and disobedience of his prophet and how he'll even turn and overturn his,
1: his own, own desire to judge the evil in Assyria. Uh, yep. Crazy. And so
0: it's all about overturning things. Yeah. Which things is a very key word. Down. Yeah. Overturned is a very key word, but yeah. it's not a theme or an idea that's foreign to Jonah as of right now. Mm. So far throughout the book of Jonah, Everything has been overturned from your expectations. Totally. The prophet who was supposed to be faithl- faithful is faithless. Yes, he was supposed to do what God says doesn't do what God <laughs> says. The Tortuga sailors. <laughs> who, uh, which is a rare reference to episode one, uh, the the evil pagan sailors yes. are the ones that are repentant. Right. A fish comes out of the water, swallows Jonah, and Jonah doesn't die. Yeah,
1: When you go down to the bottom of the ocean, that's where you die. You die. But and you then, don't die at the bottom of the ocean in And then book. the fish
0: spits you out after digesting you? That's that makes, also strange. That's upside down. So we ha- we're used to yep. things being other than they should be. Right. And that theme kind of gets picked up in chapter three really, really explicitly.
1: Yeah, at probably its highest point.
0: At its highest point. Yeah. And we, it's worth naming that chapter three is a riff on chapter one, meaning right. that it parallels chapter one in the same way that the pagan sailors in and Jonah were compared in chapter one. We're supposed to see the faithfulness of Nineveh compared to the faithlessness of Jonah yes. in chapter three.
1: Yes. Yes. And the point there is that these are two nations. You have the, the sailors of Joppa that we call okay. the Tortuga sailors, yeah. like from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, and then Caribbean. you have the Caribbean, Caribbean, Caribbean.
0: Is, it, is there a difference?
1: I mean, no, they're the same place, but you say them differently.
0: Is it, are they too, the same place?
1: Same place. Caribbean, Caribbean, just pronunciation. Okay. pronunciation <laughs> pronunciation <laughs> participle <laughs> yes so for those of you who don't know seth grew up overseas and yeah. he says the word participle 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 which is a
0: which is a word everybody uses frequently, frequently. enough yeah. to know the difference absolutely.
1: absolutely we were we were in greek together yeah, that's what, that's and, the, and that's how we got every that's how now we and again it. there's like
0: a britishism that comes into yes. my speech that i'm unaware is still there
1: it's very endearing
0: yeah. So anyway, but you have these
1: two groups of people, the Assyrians and the Tortuga sailors, and they both are representing the wider Gentile nations mm-hmm. that um, have been oppressing Israel, mm-hmm. um, subjugating them, and ultimately, especially for those in exile reading this letter, the, they are the ones who have come in, destroyed Israel, mm-hmm. and taken them off in exile. Mm-hmm. And if you were a, a Jew reading this book, you know what it's like to be around these people mm-hmm. and not want to see them saved.
0: <laughs> yeah, you would easily identify with Jonah. Yes. You don't want your oppressors shown mercy. Right. You don't want to preach a message of God's goodness to the people who are killing your sons and daughters. Right. You don't want to see people outside of God's covenant included in the covenant you were supposed to be <laughs> in alone. Right. At least in your perception of it.
1: Yeah. Uh and, and so we're gonna see here though that uh and, and maybe even you you wouldn't expect that the like, like Assyria or Babylon who historically came in and destroyed Israel, ransacked their temple, mistreated their people, uh, you wouldn't expect them to even repent if they heard about God. Right. Right. Like, why you wouldn't would expect that. Right. So, like, why even waste the time trying mm-hmm. to risk your life to tell them about it? Yeah. And so, but we're going to see here in the story that the Assyrians, this bloodthirsty, really, like, horrible country have the softest hearts. Yes. And they just repent on a dime. Yeah. And that subverts a lot of your expectations and would have been a call to those in exile to not put salvation, the hope of salvation, Mm -hmm. out of reach from idol worshipers, which Jonah tried to do in chapter 2 in his prayer.
0: So Jonah has just been spit out of the fish, Mm -hmm. vomited out vomited. out of the fish. And I believe, reluctantly goes to Nineveh. Yeah. God calls him to do the same thing he called him to do in chapter 1. So this, again, it's a parallel of chapter 1. And he says, "Arise, go to Nineveh and call out to the to the and, and give it the message that I mm-hmm. I tell you to give." What's funny is we're never told what the message is. Right. We're never let in on what God tells Jonah,
1: which is a total subversion of the genre of prophecy. Yeah, that's, because the, the like most your prophetic books are Here's the word of the Lord, and then it's quoted. Yes. And the the prophet speaks the exact words
0: that God told him to speak, and we get to hear the message of God. And we normally and if you've ever read the prophetic books and you're like, why did I hear the same thing four times? It's because you hear God say it, and Uh then you hear the prophet say it, and then you hear the person receiving the prophecy say it back again. That's yeah, and sometimes the person
1: saying it back says it correctly, or they warp it a little bit, and that's supposed to show you how they are interacting with the prophecy.
0: We don't get that in this version of a prophetic genre. Basically none of those. Yes. So we're just told that God tells him to say something, mm-hmm. but we're not told what he's supposed to say. Yes. And this far in the story, Jonah has not been an exemplary character. Mm. We don't have a real change of heart in the belly of the fish. We have him wanting salvation, but no repentance for his disobedience. And so my guess is he's told the same thing again. He's like, well, it's be- I better go say it because it's better than being swallowed by a fish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I
1: think, I mean, I think your your idea that Jonah was reluctant to go, reluctant to preach in Nineveh is convincing because of where the fish takes him while he's in the water. Cause he is going like the exact opposite direction oh, right. of Nineveh on his way to Tarshish by point by, by the, through the port of Joppa and the fish swallows him <laughs> and takes him the back the way I he's ad- supposed to go.
0: I actually totally f- didn't think about that. Yeah. I just assumed like, Oh, the ship crashed. Near the shore (laughs) of Nineveh, I was like, "Oh, maybe they got most of the way to Tarshish. A fish swallowed him. Three days later, spits him back out where he's supposed to be." Yes,
1: I never thought about like like, that. (laughs) The boat, like the like the boat that ultimately takes Jonah where he's supposed to go, is not the boat he got on. It's the boat of the fish, (laughs) and he travels in the fish to Nineveh where God is taking him. And so God takes him where he wants him to go, kind of against his will. Mm -hmm. So when he gets vomited on the shore. Like, bleh be here. Right. He, I mean, it feels like he doesn't want to be there.
0: Well, and think about what we sit next in verse 3. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. The only other thing described as a three days journey is, is his, his, his is time in the fish. It's his time in the fish. So he is reluctantly swallowed by the fish and then reluctantly walks three days into the belly of... Nineveh.
1: yeah because okay because what we had talked about um, in the last episode was that the the fish that swallowed Jonah is a prophetic picture of the evil empires Assyria and Babylon
0: yep throughout the prophets and Amos and Jeremiah and even in second chronicles they all describe the exile as a swallowing by a sea monster yeah so Jonah's life is a living picture mm-hmm. of Israel's own exile Jonah as a representative of Israel, is going into the belly of exile, just as it had historically and will again in the future.
1: Right, and so for him to be in three days in the fish and then Nineveh to be a three day, three days in breadth, Mm -hmm. it's saying he's going from one belly of the beast to another belly of the beast.
0: And the message Jonah's preaching is about what
1: should Jews do when they're in the belly of the beast? Yes. Because again, this letter would have been read by Jews in exile. Jews who had been swallowed by the sea creature and who are in the belly of the beast. So what do you do when you're in the belly of the beast? You preach like preach salvation to them. Yeah. Um, and so that that's really interesting. One other thing I just want to point yeah. out uh, that I realized was that we were talking about Jonah's Jonah reluctantly getting vomited on the shore of Nineveh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder because of his prayer that we read in chapter two, I wonder if he thought he was going to be vomited out somewhere else. Because where does he constantly say that he will, when he rises out of this fish's belly, where does he say that he'll be? He'll go back to the temple. temple. So I wonder if he thought God was taking him back to Israel. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, fine, I tried to run away from your presence, but I guess I couldn't. I went down away from your up place in the temple. Well, you swallowed me by a fish. I guess I'll look upon your temple once more. Phew, don't have to go to Nineveh after all. And then, that, <laughs> oh, his surprise. wait. When he
0: gets spat out on the shores of Assyria. Pl- God's <laughs> like, no, you have, you, have to do, you have to do the thing I told you to do, Jonah. <laughs> just
1: think that's kind of funny.
0: Um, so Jonah yep. goes into the city. And here's another reason why I think he's reluctant. Is mm. because of the sermon that he gives. If
1: you can call it a sermon at all.
0: He goes a day into the city and he calls out. This sermon, Mm. yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Mm. Great sermon. And that's it. There's no mention, no call to repentance. Nope. There's no call to action. There's no mention of God.
1: Not only no mention of God, I think it's very important that there's no mention of the name of God.
0: No Yahweh.
1: No Yahweh. He said God's name to the sailors Mm -hmm. and they were able to worship the name of God on their ship after the storm calmed. He does not even give them the covenant name of God. He does not want to extend to them the covenant. so he withholds both mm-hmm. Elohim, the yeah. name just God God. they have Elohims yeah see so but he doesn't tell them the covenant name either.
0: He just says in five days, you're going to be 40 days. yeah by, will be by who? By, by what? another but, army? because why? Yeah <laughs> there's no reason He'll, yeah it, like it is not possible that this is the word of the Lord that right. God told him to say to them. Like no. It's like it, it, there is not enough information here <laughs> right. to bring the Assyrians into the covenant of God. No. I think Jonah is being reluctant in doing the bare minimum right. as a prophet of God and saying, mm-hmm. in 40 days, I expect you to die. Mm-hmm. I expect you to be overthrown. Now, should we talk about the word overthrown?
1: Oh yes, let's talk about the word "overthrown." So the word "overthrown" has kind of a double meaning. It does. Um, it's it's not. It doesn't mean just like you know, a lot of a lot of times in our English words. There's not a there's not a lot of ambiguity. Uh, our our English words are usually more precise. And we're going to talk about this again when we talk about the word evil or raw in were Hebrew. Were you in the
0: office when we talked about contronyms?
1: Oh, no. Do you know what a
0: contronym yeah. is? Yeah, it's a word that means the same thing and the, and the, the opposite op- the opposite of it's yes. the same thing. Yes, I think we've uh, talked about
1: that on the podcast have before. We? I think so.
0: I did not remember the name of contronyms, but yeah, yeah. anyway, a contronym is the thing that means the same thing. One thing, yeah. and it's opposite. And it's opposite. Do you yeah. have one pulled up? I was I was looking for, uh, up them right now, but the one um, I was thinking of was to rent. To rent. You can rent something out, and mm-hmm. that means you're offering something to be paid for, mm-hmm. or you can rent something, which means you're willing to pay for a service. <laughs> um, and so with, when you're saying uh, you're renting
1: a room, you don't know if you're making money or spending money, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good that's a good example. Yep. So like something like that is overturned. It's like it can mean conquered, destroyed, mm-hmm. brought to nothing. Yeah. But it can also mean change for the better.
0: Yeah. In uh, the book of Genesis, it's used as the word "overthrown" or "overturned" is how they describe the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah mm-hmm. once the fire falls down on them. Right. So it means Sodom and Gomorrah were Overthrown, destroyed, yes. which in is
1: judgment. Which is probably why Jonah picked this word. He's yeah. probably thinking, let's have another Sodom and Gomorrah, let yes. Assyria burn. Which is, right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Totally. And yet in the story of the Exodus,
0: mm-hmm. right,
1: the that same word is used over and over and over again to describe when God like turned the water to blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, or turn the wind mm-hmm. to blow the seas mm-hmm. and open the pathway for yeah. Israel uh to walk through. Um, but it's also used to like I will turn your evil into good. Yes. Which is particularly in the story uh of Balaam in Numbers. Yeah, it
0: can man it can mean functionally transform. Mm-hmm. So whenever the prophet Balaam is hired by the king of
1: Oh king? man, I can't remember. I
0: can't remember, the like, Moab? Yeah, I think it's so. The king of Moab, yep. and to curse Israel mm-hmm. as Balaam tries to go up there and curse Israel, his bless his curse is transformed, overturned. Same word, Deuteronomy twenty three five, into a blessing for Israel. Mm-hmm. And so, what's funny is one of our commentators pointed out is that Jonah is like Balaam; he's prophesying a curse over Nineveh. Yes, but he's about to get the opposite.
1: Yep, God's going to overturn. His word overturn from a curse into a blessing. And like Balaam, here in a second, he's going to go up on a mountain, Mm -hmm. overlook the city. That's exactly what Balaam did. He was up on a mountain overlooking the camp of Israel, waiting to see this curse. And all he will see is a blessing.
0: Yep. The very next verse we're told, and the people of Nineveh believed in God. Based on that sermon, (laughs) in 40 days you will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Mm. There's this grassroots revival among Nineveh based on Jonah's half-hearted sermon. Mm. Everything we know about Jonah up to this point does not lead us to believe that he wanted that to happen. Oh, absolutely not. He just prayed that the um, people who pay regard to vain idols have forsaken their hope of steadfast love.
1: Yeah, 2-8. To right. wait,
0: like five verses ago, he yeah. just said, people like this will never be part of your kingdom. They covenant. have no hope. They have no hope. Yep. So he gives a sermon that says, in 40 days, you will be overthrown, judged, right. and destroyed. Yep. That's the message I was supposed to bring. And then you ev- the exact opposite happens. Right. They are, they repent, they believe God.
1: Yes. Okay. So he says that they will be overthrown, but then in reality, after they repent, we see, oh, they haven't been Overthrown, they've been changed. They've been transformed, which is the same word. Same word. Same word. Uh, and there's this unexpected fulfillment of mm-hmm. his of his sermon. Yeah. Um. Which is a theme throughout the Bible. Yeah. Uh. But we a don't prophet think- means one thing. Yeah. The
0: opposite happens. Yeah. Um, God meant something different from that sermon. Yeah. Than you did.
1: you were talking to me this morning about something really interesting and how to see Jesus in this because I mean that's what happened on the cross. You know yeah. that there was a death sentence. Mm-hmm. For Jesus, but it meant life for him and the world. Yeah, like they thought that putting the Son of God to death would mean an ultimate victory mm-hmm. for the powers of evil, but it is the very thing that brought yeah. about the power of evil's end. And you you mentioned something about Henry, right?
0: Yeah, like uh, well, what, what you just made me think of oh, was yeah. um, if they would have known, they would not have crucified the Lord of Glory. Right. If they would have known crucifixion was a path to victory, the powers would not have done it. They wouldn't have done it. Uh, but yep. death itself is transformed into life for all right. people. If Jonah, powers.
1: If Jonah would have known that his fire and brim- brimstone sermon would have ended up being <laughs> the means by which Nineveh was transformed, he wouldn't have preached it. He wouldn't have preached it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah. even like the, the four words uh-huh. pasted over the cross of Jesus. Right. Jesus, Jesus, King of the Jews. Yeah, which is abbreviated INRI. INRI. You, you'll,
1: you've, you've probably seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm um, trying to
0: think of what it means. Uh, ye- Jesus Rex Iadorum, uh something I I used to know. Yeah, yeah, it's, I forget it, but I used to know it. I used to know the Latin. Uh, in Latin. It's yeah. shortened to inri, which right. just means Jesus, King of the Jews. Right, and that was put up there sarcastically. Right, by the powers and saying, "This is your king." crucified on the cross, disgusting, shameful for
1: it, for, for Rome. It was, a a, an attempt for them to be able to an opportunity for them to mock the Mm -hmm. Jews because they were like, oh, we have so much power over you. You want, you want to know what we do to your King, your supposed King. We just give him the worst form of punishment. Mm -hmm. Like when we can just do it to him willy nilly, here's your King. And yet there's an irony there because that exact word that they put over him ended up being the exact word, but a different meaning. Mm
0: The way that they tried to shame the people of mm-hmm. God is how the people of God were honored and the powers were shamed. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 It ended up being the proclamation of Jesus' resurrection, that he yeah. reigns as king over not only the Jews, but over the whole world. Because he is king of the Jews from mm-hmm. the line of David, the King right. of Kings, he gets to bless all nations. Yep. Uh, and so it, it's it's an amazing thing, like the they,
0: idea of like an ironic overturning in Jesus is foreshadowed here in the book. yes of yeah absolutely
1: yeah. it's just it's an amazing thing that the the words that we speak that we think hold so much power and the assumptions that we make about what's possible in the world mm-hmm. and the fates that we set for ourselves and others that that god has the power and the scandalous mercy mm-hmm. to overturn for the better yes like there's no way that um, facebook could end up being a force for good Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, hold on. Hold on. God could do it. God could do it. He could overturn
0: it. Yes. Yeah. He could take things that we don't expect and make good things happen. Right. He could also take the things we do expect and humiliate us for them. Yes. Which is, I think, what happens to Jonah. Yes. And might cause, in chapter four, he's very angry at (laughs) God. Yeah. But, like, Jonah expects to be the prophet of God, Mm. to deliver a prophecy accurately and for it to happen. But by God overturning the prophecy in His own mind, He humiliates Jonah for mm-hmm. his um, self righteousness and for his pride against yeah. Um, Nineveh.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's what happens to the powers, right? They get yep. humiliated. That's right. Yeah, when they put Jesus on the cross, He puts them to open shame. Colossians mm-hmm. says He humiliates them, mm-hmm. and I mean Jonah was humiliated. Um, right. And we're going to see that in chapter four next week. Uh, so that's that's really interesting. Um, the the repentance here you, you we mentioned that like the sermon that jonah gave was not sufficient cause for the repentance that we see in assyria yeah what accounts for the massive revival that took place in this pagan city
0: well one explanation could be that um actually jonah did speak more words mm. and the author of jonah has only given us five of those words in hebrew to highlight the irony and yes. the disobedience of Jonah and therefore Israel. That makes sense. Totally possible. Yep. Uh and I think that's probably closer to the real way it happened. Yeah. But I think what we're supposed to meditate on in this story is probably God's role in changing even the nations. So far, God has sent a storm, He has sent a fish, He has called out to Jonah, He's transformed sailors he has spit has appointed a fish to spit Jonah out just where he was supposed to go and in a moment god's going to appoint a plant and a worm and a wind and all this other stuff i think yeah. we're supposed to see that the god who controls the chaos of the deep mm-hmm. and the forces of nature is also turning the hearts of kings and assyrians to him yeah i think we're so, i think that's what we're supposed yeah, to yeah I,
1: I think i agree with that that yeah he appointed you know Yeah, the the fish he appointed and prepared Mm -hmm. a wind, you know, Mm -hmm. and he appointed and prepared the hearts of Assyria and their king. Yeah, to repent. Right. Uh, That this is another show of strength from the God of Israel. Yeah, that not only does he control the wind and the sea, he controls the hearts of the greatest king on earth.
0: Israel is not in charge of who gets the mercy of God's covenant.
1: Right. God is. There you go. So I think that now now you've nailed it because not only is it the 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 motif of God's control, which mm-hmm. is a is a theme in Jonah, mm-hmm. but the point of Jonah is you have somebody who believes that certain people should not receive the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. And in Assyria repenting so dramatically with no really verifiable outside force Mm -hmm. we have to say well then god just gave mercy to whom he wanted to give mercy Mm -hmm. which we're going to see in in the next chapter that that is a a part of of exodus that jonah quotes he quotes that i know i know you're a god who who shows mercy and so i didn't want to i didn't want to come preach because i'd be i was afraid that you were going to do it right and um, part of that longer quotation is God saying, I give mercy to whom I want to give mercy. And it's a God's self-description of himself. Yeah. And he shows that he is, right. not, only, not only that's part of his character, but that he's capable right. to do it. in giving mercy to those who no one wanted to preach to them. Yeah. N- no one thought they could come to repentance. And God just does it.
0: Yeah, and it's it's a rebuke not only to Jonah and Israel in exile, but also it becomes the same rebuke that Jesus has of the Pharisees. Yes, they believe, or, and Paul says the same thing. By virtue of being Jews, you mm. are entitled to salvation, but that's not the way the covenant has ever worked. Right, the covenant has always been based relationship with God has always been based on God's mercy towards those He wanted to give mercy to. Right, and the fair. Pharise- the Pharisees refused to see that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The
1: very first words of the covenant, arguably, uh, are, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, mm-hmm. Exodus 21 or two. Right. You know, like that's, that's like the, 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 the Jews hold that that's the first commandment. It's mm-hmm. the first word. It's the first word. God's is, promise of is, salvation. Is, I saved you. Yeah. I showed you mercy. <laughs> that's always the basis is God shows mercy to whom he wants to show mercy. Mm-hmm. Abraham was just called out of nowhere. Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. he wasn't doing something meritorious or right. did some big act for God before he was called. He was mm-hmm. called first. Yeah, um, and so yeah, we see God just giving mercy to those mm-hmm. who we didn't think would receive mercy. Yeah, okay,
0: that's, that's amazing. Pro- yeah, that's the prophetic knife of the Book of Jonah. Yeah. like like Jonah is a prophet. His life is the prophecy, and Israel must re- realize that the covenant isn't just for them. Mm. Like,
1: yeah. So, is there a reason that? Um, Th- like in the very sparse words of the book of Jonah there's n- it's not a long book
0: So I think 40 something verses
1: yeah. yeah why spend so much time talking about the fasting and the sackcloth and like going to such a degree to explain the depths of repentance that Assyria yeah. went to
0: well yeah and we haven't even, we've only covered half of it yeah we haven't even
1: gotten to the king yet the king yet yeah, yeah. um so the king, it, it, like it starts. Should, we, like should a, we should we go to the king before I an, we answer that question? Yeah, because yeah, we can. It's yeah. gonna it's gonna lead to the same question. And so yeah. you had this grassroots roots movement. Mm-hmm. The people start repenting. Well, the word, which is another theme in Jonah, yeah, the, the word, word of the Lord, the word of the Lord sent Jonah. The mm-hmm. word does this. Well, the word reached the king, mm-hmm. and the king did something Jonah wouldn't do. He arose. He arose <laughs>
0: from his throne. <laughs> Jonah kept going down. Yeah, <laughs> he went down to Joppa, down yeah. to the fish, and finally. When the king hears the word of yes, God, he, the, he right, rises right.
1: up. So ironic. It's so funny. And he arises and calls for a nationwide fast mm-hmm. um, and a national repentance. And it's, an, I mean, it's, unpa- it's revival. It's unparalleled.
0: Yeah. And it's not just the people he calls for repentance, but he yes. calls for all, land own- like all livestock, livestock owners livestock. to repent as well, which he just means cover your cows in... Yeah, he, <laughs> in sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, he
1: tells you don't let your animals eat. Yeah, like no more grazing cows, and also put sackcloth on your cows. Like what? And let them all call out.
0: <laughs> yeah. to the Almighty God. It's
1: crazy. So I mean, that leads. I mean, yes, that's my question. Then mm-hmm. why go to such detail about putting sackcloth on cows? <laughs> like, couldn't you just say? Right. Like, and and Assyria repented. And it's like on such a sparsely worded book. Right. Why spend most of the chapter talking about that?
0: I think I think part of it um is because that's what Israel hadn't done or wouldn't do. Mm. Um if this is written to an Israel under Jeroboam the mm-hmm. second, which is, you know, who Jonah was a prophet to, you have a nation corrupted, an evil king on the throne full of injustice and evil. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to repent. Right. They were supposed to turn from their evil ways and turn to God alone. And so to see a dramatic repentance in their enemies should indict them for failing to do the same. Mm. They have the God of the covenant. They were rescued out of Egypt. This should have been their response. And the enemies of God's people are more quick to do it than they are. So I think there's like that ironic turn of the knife. Like, yeah, these people will do it. Won't you? Mm-hmm. shouldn't you be doing it mm-hmm. do you have a different answer
1: no i think that's right i mean i, I you making me think of other things like uh i mean they're a comparison to jonah the word of the lord mm-hmm. comes to jonah mm-hmm. and he runs away yeah uh we had a
0: lot of description about jonah's disobedience yes it makes sense to have a parallel to a bunch
1: of obedience mm-hmm. and so i think that's probably what's happening if mm-hmm. these are paralleled stories if one and three are mm-hmm. riffs on each other mm-hmm. then you have a long description of jonah's passivity mm-hmm. reluctance disobedience and then you have the exact opposite happening happening in assyria um you have um speediness readiness repentance uh extreme obedience yeah. um and so i think that's that's really interesting uh i mean it's also uh, it's the it's the cattle that's throwing me it's yeah. the livestock that's messing with my head. Like why bring the livestock into it? You know, it's just so ratcheted Wait, up.
0: Why Why should the cows repent? Why yeah. should we throw it on them? Um, that's the question. Yeah. So I read one commentator and he said it could be a lack of information. Part of the Ninevites, the Ninevites don't have all the covenant information necessary. Right? So they're working off their best guess about what God might want. Like if God's mm. going to come down and burn us for a reason we don't know, Let's do everything possible to placate him. Yeah. Maybe the cows have to repent too. (laughs) So uh, you know, it's like, and he doesn't know. And I mean, he says the king of Nineveh uh, says, "Who knows? God Uh, may God may turn and relent and turn his fierce anger so that we may not perish." Right. He doesn't know. I forgot about the who knows, Uh, which is the same word the captain of the ship uses to Jonah as well. Ah. The unnamed captain of the ship, the unnamed king of Nineveh, uh say the same word. Who knows? Maybe God will cease. Maybe the storm will cease from its raging. Maybe God will mm, repent, or yeah, relent from his disaster.
1: I mean, that's really interesting. Is, is that you? You just Jonah is not doing his job as a prophet. Mm-hmm. He's not giving the people that he has been sent to the necessary information mm-hmm. that they need to know what God wants. Right. And so they
0: start just doing anything they possibly can to placate. Which him. is what he does in the story of the boat too. He doesn't tell them that he's the one no. called, who's caused the storm. So they start throwing everything overboard. They
1: start casting lots. They're mm-hmm. doing anything they can to try to figure out how to calm down this storm and all that they needed to know. And Jonah had the information. He was the prophet of God. He mm-hmm. had the information that they needed, that the nations needed mm-hmm. and he withheld it. And I mean, that's really—I mean, I'm—I'm convicted by that. You know, it's like we have the information, like as carriers of the good news, Mm. we have the information, Mm -hmm. and we're not telling people. Right. We're just letting the nations guess. And so, what do they do? Who knows? Maybe this next trip will finally placate my conscience and mm-hmm. and and salve my
0: wanderlust. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe this next marriage. Maybe God wants me to give up Pizza Hut or whatever. You right, know, like maybe, maybe, yeah, right. maybe like because you've heard that prayer, like God, if you just if you just save me from this one thing, I'll never watch yeah. porn again. I'll never right. do this thing again. And it's like they give away the the store right to make sure God's not angry with them.
1: Yeah, I will dress my cattle in sackcloth if you will just right. relent. Because they don't know that it was in God's heart to relent. Mm -hmm. He wanted to relent. All he wanted was them to repent. Right. They didn't need to dress their cattle in sackcloth. And I think the same thing applies to us today. I think people are wondering what they need to do in order Mm -hmm. to, like, be right with the God of the universe. Even if they don't know his name, like the Assyrians.
0: Yep. Everyone's looking for atonement.
1: That's right. And we have the answer. That God wants to relent. Mm-hmm. God has relented. Where? On the cross. Mm-hmm. Like, and we can come to them and say, what does God require of you to overturn your yeah. life, to transform your life? Believe in him. Trust in him. Mm-hmm. It's it's more simple than dressing your cattle in sackcloth, you know? Like, mm-hmm. And so I just think it's profound that we have this message um, and we might be just as reluctant to go and preach it as Jonah was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and yet, and so we just were surrounded by nations trying to repent to an unknown God, an unnamed God. And they're trying to grope their way toward atonement and they just can't. And we have the answer. It's a simple one. Mm. And it's that like Jesus has died for your sins.
0: I was, Trust him. I was thinking of like rewording Jonah's sermon. Yeah. It's like, it's with all this in my mind, it's like, it's turn, Jesus has overturned. Right. Like that's all the information. It's like, Jesus has overturned what exactly? He has been destroyed Mm. so that you might be transformed. Right. Jesus has overturned himself and you. Yeah. But on the cross. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's so strong. And so we were talking about, Mm. uh, repenting and relenting that like, yeah, God, like the people are repenting and then God God relents. Yeah. And, uh, those are similar concepts,
0: right? Well, in they're like the same word. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we're about to get into this section where all the same words are being used to describe bad things and good things, which mm-hmm. is on brand for a chapter <laughs> where it has over the double meaning of the yes. word, oh, the contronym of the word overturned <laughs> uh, is like central to what's happening. So right. whenever the people repent of their evil, God repents of his disaster. When the people relent of their evil, same word, God relents of his disaster. And even more on the point, when people repent of their evil, their ra Mm -hmm. in Hebrew, God repents of his ra. Mm. The way that God responds to his people is in kind. Yeah. Does that make... Yes. It's like, and the reason I want to focus there is because that feels more radical than I want to accept. Hmm, If I say it in English... Yeah. When Israel repented, or when Nineveh repented of their evil, God repented of his evil?
1: Whoa. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yep. R- right? Yep. Like that was like, uh, okay, yeah, that hits. That hits me like well, I'm like, one, well hold on. God can't repent cuz he's he's not he has nothing to repent of. He's right. not bad. You repent from bad things. Well, and two, God's not evil. He doesn't do evil. Do he evil. does justice. But but the word
0: they use <laughs> yeah, here is the, the same. same. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, there is something profound <laughs> right. that the book of Jonah wants to teach us here in the way in which our evil and repentance is linked to God's goodness and mercy mm. and his repentance. Relentance and repentance? Yeah, right, like, right. So I just want to lean in and be like, okay, there's some work to do here because mm-hmm. I think this might be the heart of why Jonah refuses. Like, if we uh, refuse to accept that phrasing, we become Jonah who calls God evil for right. relenting of evil. Right. If we can't say God repents of evil, we become Jonah.
1: Right. So like... Right. Right? Yeah, and that's because... Jonah knew God's heart. He knew mm-hmm. that if Israel heard that they could repent and be saved, they would. Mm-hmm. And if they did, God would repent and save.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, he, and he didn't want that causal relationship to happen. Yes. And so he tried to keep the message of repentance and God's relentance away uh-huh. by just saying that their, their doom is coming. Yes. Right? They're going to be Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. They're going to be overturned. But God was able to work through that to bring out a different ending, as we've said. Um, What else are you wanting to draw out from that connection? Well,
0: one, this is actually another way the prophets speak about God's designs for the nations. So Mm -hmm. in Jeremiah 18, it says, If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed, Mm -hmm. and if that nation, I warned, repents of its evil, then I will repent and not inflict on its disaster what I had planned. Right. So there's something about the, God is con- acting consistently with his character here. Yes. God is a God of mercy and love, as Jonah will tell us in a second. He's the one who saved Israel out of Egypt. He's the one who tends towards that. Mm. And he has always said, consistently said, that my mercy will be extended to all those who repent. Mm-hmm. And I have an intention to bring that mercy when they hear of my raw. You know, it's like, I'm trying to like land that, but does that land?
1: It totally lands. Well, and I just can't quite connect with it until I get to Jesus. So Mm -hmm. I need to do that because I'm like, okay, um, it's, it's part of the gospel message Mm -hmm. to say that in 40 years, (laughs) in a thousand years, at some point, uh, the world will be overturned. My life will be overturned. Mm-hmm. Like, God has raw, mm-hmm. which can be translated evil, disaster. We should like name that. We should name that. In English, yeah. we have two words
0: evil and bad.
1: Right. Bad. Or, or, con- yeah. Or like, even, yeah, just like, yeah, something bad's going to happen. And that bad can also have the moral connotation of that is bad or good.
0: Right. But yeah. evil is always morally, morally wrong. And bad can mean it's a bad thing or a happenstance. Or right. It I was, had a bad day. I had a bad day. It right. can mean both those things. In Hebrew, you only have one word.
1: Right. It's the word raw. Raw. Yeah. And so you have to. You wouldn't say I had an evil day. I wouldn't unless say Unless you a, did a bunch
0: of horrible things. In Hebrew, you would. Yeah. You. you would, say, I had a raw day. I had an evil day. Yeah. And so the I the fact that they're using the same word twice yes. is consistent with Hebrew but it also pulls in all these other connotations that you're supposed to meditate on and mm-hmm. figure figure out. So Right. And so, out.
1: yeah. And so to it's part of the gospel message to say that God has raw planned for the world, mm-hmm. that he is going to overturn the world, that mm-hmm. he has disaster, like bad, mm-hmm. planned for those who are not his. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I know we like, I think in, like today we shy away from that message. Right. But like it's part of the message. And what you're saying is, That when that message comes to us, it's calling us not to like lash out at God and be like, how could you do this or anything like that? It's calling us to just repent. Mm -hmm. And if we repent of our raw, God will repent of his raw. Mm -hmm. And so he has, he has raw, he has, he has bad news Mm -hmm. prepared for us. Mm -hmm. But if we repent of our bad, our raw, then that changes to good news. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, that's the gospel story, right? It's the gospel story. Yes.
0: And that's what Jonah finds so offensive.
1: Jonah's offended by the gospel.
0: He's offended by the
1: gospel. That good news could go to and, bad people.
0: And he calls God evil yeah. for allowing um, people like Nineveh and the Assyrians to be extended God's mercy. But it disple- Verse 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah. That's the word ra again, a verb mm-hmm. form of the word ra again. And so I, th- I think that actually lands. We actually don't shy away from judgment on evil people. No. We don't, like, we want justice done to the oppressor and to the evil and to the Nazis. Yes. We don't want to see Hitler in heaven. No. Hitler could be in heaven. Right. Yeah. If Right. Like, like that's why yeah. Jonah is like, so no, offending. that is evil God <laughs> yeah. to allow someone like that. Right. The king of Nineveh. Yeah. The leader of the army putting in stone relief the way that they tortured its people. It right. is evil for that person to be in your covenant. Right. That's why Jonah can't stomach the gospel. Yeah. Because it holds out hope for people like that.
1: Yes. And so, like, I think Jonah comes to us then and says, are you offended by the fact that God does good to evil people? Yeah. That God relents of the justice that they deserved. Mm -hmm. Um, And you you should be a little offended by it. Yeah. uh, Until you realize... That that's you, <laughs> that you are the raw person, the mm-hmm. evil person that God has relented. Well, toward. I'm offended by
0: that too. Yeah. I, right? Like, yeah. that's the effect. Like, I'm still offended. If that's how God sees me, mm. I'm still offended oh, by you're, that. You're
1: offended that you are an evil person. Yeah. That God would have seen you as that and have had to, had to relent.
0: Right. But if I refuse to admit that, I'm also refusing mercy to towards myself. Right. Which is what's going to happen in the next yeah. chapter with Jonah. He's going to be forced yeah. to confront the fact that he won't call himself evil, mm. but he will only call Nineveh evil. Right. And God's going to call him out on that hypocrisy. Mm. So if I can call, I feel objectively certain people evil within human history, within my own life. But if I refuse to allow them mercy mm. and call myself evil in the same moment, that's hypocrisy. Yeah. I re- right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why Jonah is so damning. Yeah. Because it makes me make the connection that Jonah refuses to.
1: Right, that I might not be as perfect of a person as I thought I was. Right. Yeah. But it's in that recognition that we find the mercy that Assyria got to experience.
0: Right. Assyria yeah. re- realized it. They repented. They let their cows repent, and they were <laughs> and they God repented of His raw and saved them.
1: Yeah. Man, that's really good. Okay. That's chapter three. That's chapter three. All right. Well, I'm excited to wrap up Jonah. Chapter four. That's right. We're going to talk about a giant. Gourd plant gourd that plant That grows up It's a very weird part of the story Like I, I said in the first I think I said in the first episode I never even knew chapter 4 existed yeah. as a kid Chapter
0: 4 is the odd ball That you don't read The, kid, the kid's version of yeah. the story um, and, But it lands the point that we're making mm. here Jonah is angry at God And calls God evil mm-hmm. For extending mercy to his enemies yeah. And God's going to call him a hypocrite for it
1: Right Okay. Well, tune in for that. (laughs) uh, We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel.